Living Show with your hosts Jan and Bill Moore. We'll take a moment to thank John Fogarty for that song Mystic Highway that we opened the show with. That is off John's latest album, Wrote a Song for Everyone. Fourteen great guest artists and a great album overall. Thank you again to John Fogarty for that opening and we hope you'll enjoy today's show and all of our shows because our intention is that they will empower you to live with power, passion, and purpose and manifest happiness and prosperity, harmony and well-being. We'll be interviewing expert guests on conscious evolution, personal empowerment, conscious business, natural health, and how to create a conscious lifestyle and many other interesting topics. So without further ado, over to my lovely wife, Jan. Thank you, Bill, and hi, everybody. This is Jan Moore, and thank you for listening to The Conscious Living Show. Today, we're going to be focusing on conscious business, and we're going to be talking about how to attract your dream client or career using tactical networking with Nada Malai. LinkedIn expert Nada Malai says his primary objective in life is to bring people together and help them effectively communicate their unique value proposition in a manner that creates positive impressions and results in long-lasting careers. Nada specializes in career coaching and tactical networking. He works with professionals to strengthen effective communication and networking skills. He's especially skilled in building and improving his clients' capabilities in creating unique value propositions, developing strong personal brands, and negotiating job offers. He enjoys working with professionals with a variety of backgrounds and seniority levels, successfully helping them navigate the challenges of their professional career and life. Nada's coaching is grounded in his 10-year background working in various sectors, and his work experience ranges from startups to large corporations, as well as successfully managing a career coaching and recruitment business. So welcome, Nada. Thanks for having me, Jan. That's wonderful. I'm really uh, excited to uh, do this interview with you, Nada, because um, it's great to bring on some real expertise in the business world. And I know when we had our earlier conversation, you know, this link with the conscious business aspect is is your approach to really wanting to um, bring out the best in people and help them to achieve their highest potential and the, and the dreams that they have for their life and career. So I know we're going to share some great information today, and I'd like to start by asking you, how did you come to do what you do? Uh, it's quite interesting how I came across this, Jan. Uh, I've got quite a different background than the average coach or average person who goes into coaching or training. I do have a technical background, actually. I grew up in a family of engineers, family of mechanics. My, my grandfather was a mechanic, my father and my brother still is. So very technical background. But I was that, 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 that maybe a little bit strange child <laughs> who didn't follow that uh, hands-on path. I, I like to become a technical person, but more on the software side of things. So I did go to engineering school, studied electronics. You know, I liked radios when I grew up and ended up specializing in robotics and software. However, to be honest with you, I never really established a career in that sector. I did work in it for about two and a half years, 
but uh, I, I knew I wasn't going to be an engineer. I didn't have uh, I didn't have really the passion to to do that to all the technical stuff. And as strange as this might sound, but I know a lot of people out there just like me who who did go to an engineering school or studied something very technical, but naturally lost their passion for it. So. I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those guys. Mm-hmm. So uh, in 2010, I decided to change my industries and uh, move towards sales and then uh, career coaching and recruitment. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting how we have a similar background there because I came into coaching and mentoring through after a career in IT. So <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I kind of understand how you got to where you got to. So it sounds like you're going to add something else. So carry on, Nada. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's normally a rocky road when you, you end up in a field that you didn't go to school for. You know, so you haven't had that uh, official training or official education for it. But, you know, I've got to where I am today through through years of experiencing and, and trying everything, you know, testing really what works and what doesn't work. My, I guess my unique, my unique proposition for the industry that I'm in is my technical background, of course. That's the reason for my success uh, over the last few years, you know, uh, climbing a ladder and becoming number one in my team in any corporate or small, small team that I've been in. Uh, I've been able to match the industries and the technical side of things to functional parts. So I can, I can really bring these two pictures together, understand that if you're looking for an opportunity, if you're looking for reaching your purpose and reaching your goal, well, what does that really mean as someone who's been there, who's done that? Now I'm helping individuals who are seeking that goal get there faster and more efficiently. Yeah, I'd like to pick up on that point, actually, Nada. I think it's a really interesting point that you made about, you know, not having a a degree in the profession that you eventually went into. And, I mean, I did my degree back in the 70s. <laughs> um, mm. And... My degree was in English and American literature, and primarily because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I think there is this, there is a view in some circles that you have to choose a career, and that's it for life. But I know so many people who have started in one direction and then found that it just did not resonate with them. They may have been persuaded to do it because it has good prospects or it fits with I mean in my era there was still even though feminism was rising there was still a lot of um, emphasis for women particularly in going for a career that would be compatible with having children like teaching or something like that and that was something I was almost persuaded to go into but really didn't feel it was appropriate but um, do you find that more and more people are actually finding that they want to shift careers uh, rather than stick with doing the same thing, you know, for the whole of their professional life. I do, I do. I mean, it's something that I've experienced myself firsthand. And over the last five, six years, coaching and training and, and recruiting and helping individuals reach their career or business goals, I've noticed that out of uh, every 10 people that I interview, minimum five or six of them, got into their field without making a conscious decision. 
And again, I'm one of those guys. I went to engineering school just to satisfy my dad. (laughs) I I knew that, okay, well, you know, everybody's an engineer. So I had to become an engineer. It was, that's, that was the basic formula that was, that was thought to me. Right. So doing what I do today and being extremely successful as what, at, at what I do, I noticed that I speak with a lot of individuals and I ask them what they really want to do. Half of that group just do not know what they want to do. The other half will tell me what they want to do, but they are so hesitant and they're not confident and they're not really sure what it means to do that thing, you know, to, to, to be an engineer in any field, you know, what does that really do? What kind of difference you're making in the, in the society? You know, what kind of changes you're creating. So part of, you know, an integral part of my coaching, my training is, is speaking with someone and speaking through them to understand what is it that they really love to do? What is their passion? For me, it was helping people. I saw that, okay, I'm a, I'm, I, like to, I like to believe that I'm a nice guy. I, I, I get a kick out of helping people. So I wanted to help people. And that's where it started. And as I went through my career, I realized that, you know, from year two, this is back in 2008, I started helping individuals who were sitting beside me in the, in the cubicles beside me. And that's where I started teaching and training unconsciously. I learned what I did quite quickly, became good at it. And I started helping others. You know, I went through that and become, became a coach or, a trainer for new hire classes. So when someone came in, I immediately volunteered to, to train them, to get them up to speed. So, you know, they reach their goals, they reach their quotas, they make enough calls on a daily basis, they make enough sales, whatever their quotas would be. Uh, that's what I knew I wanted to do. And uh, I mean, my coaches, I, I, I've had many coaches in my life and it, it's good to have someone guide you through that path because, you know, I was there and I knew that it's tough to choose what's best for me next in my career. So having someone guiding you, it definitely is helpful. Yeah, that's a great story, actually. It always makes me smile how much common ground I find I have with all the guests on our shows because, um, you know, similarly, I got into coaching and mentoring because I realized in my IT, IT career as a manager that I, I, uh, most of my focus was actually on developing my team and supporting them and mentoring them into achieving their ambitions and also, you know, improve their skills in terms of um, project development, decision-making, all of those things. And that's how I came to be focused uh, completely on coaching and mentoring. So it's an interesting parallel. Um, so what would you say... No, before I go to that question, I had a thought actually while you were speaking about um, people's choice of career or lack of choice, lack of conscious choice. I know from my experience um, back in my school days, it seemed to be presented with such a limited repertoire of opportunities that stuck to very uh, conventional commonly accepted careers like teaching or medicine or law or you know those really um core professional paths do you find that 
uh, people are presented with more choices now, more information about the completely huge range of uh, career choices that are available to them now? Or are they still working within a, a very limited view of what's possible for them? I do believe there are lots of options right now. I would I would go as far as saying there are too many options to a point that it confuses the the average 20 year old who's who's in university or maybe a younger you know person who who wants to get into university who want who is at that point in their life that they want to make that decision they're confused by there's so many things to do I don't know which one I want to do or out of these 10 options or out of these 50 I like to do at least 15 of them. There's, there's just too many options available. What I believe is not enough of is actually what that option means to them. You know, for example, I'll give you an example. To become an electrical engineer, which is a very hot topic right now, there's a, there's a big shortage for electrical engineers. The reason for that is because there's there's so many categories, there's so many industries, there's so many subfields and subsectors that you can go into that you can choose to become an electrical engineer and dedicate four years of your life to it to graduate with a bachelor's degree but what's not being done enough is further educating that that student throughout those four years to understand what will happen after the four years is done and it's more of a functional training so you know, you would really need to go into an automotive manufacturing plant to see and feel and be able to touch everything and see, okay, do I really want to be here? Do I want to work in an environment that is really loud? Or maybe it's, it's dirty, or maybe I have to put a, put a hazmat suit on, or maybe it's not really where I feel comfortable. You know, I, I do interview a lot of individuals. I coach a lot of individuals who are just not physically comfortable with where they work. You know, I was one of them. I, I worked in a cubicle for three years. You know, I had four monitors in front of me looking at, you know, enterprise wireless networks for Canada's largest telecommunications provider. But I just felt like I was in prison. You know, I had access mm. to a lot of stuff. I had a lot of technology, you know, at the palm of my hand. So I feel powerful for the first few months, but we're human beings. So as soon as we get used to the environment around us and, you know, we get used to what we do on a daily basis, naturally it becomes boring. You know, human beings mm. naturally always will look for something new. We'll look for something exciting. It's just in our nature. So if you don't love what you do, then you're going to get used to what you do quickly and it's going to be boring and you're not going to enjoy it. So you really have to incorporate love and passion in your career selection criteria and that formula. If you love it, then it's not going to feel like work. If you love it, you, you'll wake up early every morning, get in your car, go into the traffic or get on that bus and look forward to being at work. Otherwise, Otherwise, it's it's going to be miserable, you know. I I was one of I was that person. So again, it it reminds me of myself driving an hour and a half each way on a bus to go to work, you know, and maybe minus twenty degrees Celsius in Canada, and it was really miserable. So after three years, I just knew I couldn't work there, 
I switched jobs. I went to another environment where I wasn't enjoying it. Again, I knew I wasn't going to be there. So it, it becomes the cycle that you go through changing jobs with another job, industries to another industry, and still not liking what you do. And that is because I wasn't really going after my passion. I was going after, you know, which industry is growing? Where can I make more money? Where can I use what I learned in school to make more money? So I was just thinking along the wrong path rather than when I started working with a coach, you know, she helped me identify what is it that I love to do. And it became very primitive. It became very human. I said, hey, I like to help people. You know, and then she started asking me a lot of questions. We identified I like coaching, training, teaching, and helping people feel better about themselves. You know, she told me that I will I will retire a teacher. You know, and that was completely news to me. I said, Well, what do you mean I will retire a teacher? He said that you know what you like helping other people. You like to see someone smile back at you, and and know that you created that smile. And that made a lot of sense to me. I said, Well, yeah. I grew up, you know, raising my little cousins and went through high school and university and working professionally. Always, I had, ra- I would rather put my customer on hold to help the person beside me, <laughs> you know, which is kind of strange maybe for some people because the customer is always comes first. But I would put my own customer on hold, you know, risking my reputation and my quality of work to help the person beside me. So that was something that my coach was able to notice and, and dig up for me and help me throughout finding the right career. Mm, excellent story. And I have to say, Nada, it made me smile when you said about um, retiring as a teacher. I think when you're a teacher, you never really retire because there's always an opportunity yeah. to share something. <laughs> so let, let's just get a little bit more into the detail of how you help people because um, you know, I have a, a broad view of what a career coach is, but I'd love to hear, um, you know, what you do specifically and what makes it different. You know, what makes you special as a career coach? I would break this down to into three different sections, two different categories. It always starts with communication. So I refer to myself, you know, a lot of times as a communication coach, sometimes branding and again, often a networking coach. So communication, branding, and networking. Uh, I break down communication in two categories. There's, there's static and active. So active communication is where you're actually using the material you have. You're using your unique value proposition, that thing that you do for others. You're using that and you're in motion. You're actively reaching out to others, starting conversations. You know, we can refer to that as marketing yourself, as selling yourself, or networking, very simply. And there is static communication. That is where, you know, branding comes in. That can be your resume. That can be your LinkedIn profile. So there are they're not live pieces of material. There, there are documents and there are online profiles, digital profiles, that someone will land on those pages, will read it, and will have their own impression of who you are and what you are communicating with them. So what I do nowadays that, you know, we're living in this digital, you know, high tech world, you know, I I started to use LinkedIn 
five years ago, six years ago, back in late 2010. And, uh, you know, I built my career using LinkedIn as the number one tool, number one website I use to to really bring people together, to communicate statically and actively and, and really help myself, I started with myself, help me get to my target, get the career I want, get to the individuals and the clients and the businesses and the decision makers and influence that I wanted. I specialize at it and now I'm helping other individuals. Uh, one category could be job seekers who want to reach and connect with hiring managers or it could be business owners who want to create more leads. It could be realtors who want to better market and communicate their listings. It could be anyone who, who needs to connect with another person. As human beings, regardless of which career we're on, we're actively seeking connection with other human beings. Now, LinkedIn is, is the tool that I've, that I've got to learn, that I've got to use and became very successful at it to a point that, you know, three, four years ago, I started a business and now I'm actively teaching, coaching and training others on what made me successful using LinkedIn. Now I'm passing that on to others. Mm, brilliant. So what, what is it about LinkedIn that makes it so powerful in, in helping people to further their career or their business? Well, number one is access to information. You know, there's a lot of information that's available on there that is that is up to date, that is real. You know, there are fake profiles out there as well, but it's very easy to identify them. So number one is access to information. Number two, the ability to to really engage with others, to, to grab their attention and gain their interest and communicate. That active communication is is it's quite easy when you learn LinkedIn it's quite easy and quite effective because you know you can create a conversation you can plan out multiple conversations ahead of time and engage to a conversation to to really influence the decision makers to really influence the decision that you would want them to make to persuade them per se right to persuade them to to knowing you to liking you and trusting you all genuinely, right? You know, mm -hmm. I don't want it to sound like, you know, we're not, obviously we're doing this very genuinely. You know, I sometimes call it the art of making a friend. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dale Carnegie and, uh, you know, the art of making yeah. friendships. So yeah, going to back to, you know, <laughs> how to win friends and influence people, right? I've, I've, I think I've read that book, you know, at least four or five times and listened to the audio another 10 times. It's really what started my in my coaching career, that book was the first book I wrote, uh, I read as, as a coach, and I've read it many, many times. So those very ancient and old principles are, are in effect today. And that's what I've, that's what I've used to create, you know, a, a three-step formula, sometimes I call it, or three tactics. It's really, you know, communication, branding, and networking to go from where you are to where you want to be. You know, we have to really evaluate where you are, who you are, number one. Number two, we have to identify that target, where you want to be, and then we define the path in between you presently and where you want to be in the future. Mm. That's really interesting because, obviously, we met on uh, LinkedIn, Nada, so it's a good example yeah. of making <laughs> connections. Um, 
you know, one of the things I find with LinkedIn, I think I've got two um, issues which I'd love to hear your um, your views on. Um, the first one is that, um, you know, when you when I connect with people on LinkedIn, um, I often find I then get very salesy communications. It's like they want to drive in, dive in immediately and try and sell you something. So how do you, you know, you're speaking about communication as, as one of the key elements of what you do as a coach. How do you um, create the right kind of communication that does develop the relationship rather than kind of bomb, make them, the recipient feel like they're being sold to? Because that's quite a skill, isn't it? I understand, yeah. So I, 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 I go through that every day. Individuals who reach out to me. and So I understand what you mean. I understand the challenge you're going through. And I can see it from the amateurs all the way to the, uh, to the professionals. Consciously and unconsciously, I would say most of the times unconsciously, you know, uh, that is being done. My solution for that is that instead of directly and quickly going to selling your product or service, directly and quickly go to talk about you, right? Talk about them. You know, uh, one of the great mentors ever lived, Zig Ziglar says that if you want to have everything in life, just help others have everything they want in their life, right? Mm -hmm. So what I do personally, uh, that's one of the secrets of my success, and it's, it's a big part of my coaching program is we immediately and quickly going to finding out different ways and different methods and different gaps that we can fill, different things that we can help our audience with. So if I'm reaching out to you, instead of quickly going, going to talk about my coaching business or what I, what I do, I quickly identify the areas that I can help you with and I immediately focus on those. You know, so genuine that 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 really shows you as a genuine person when the first thing that you're doing is helping the other person you know uh you're really giving before you take you know mm. uh reciprocity is, is what we're doing right you're reciprocating before you before you expect anything from that other person that person who at that point is a is a total stranger right let's be honest you want to Build that friendship, build that connection genuinely by finding out, okay, how can I help John? How can I help Jane? What is it that I can, you know, that I can add value to their life, their career, to their daily activities? Because the result of that is that person thanking you for your help. And that's the start of a friendship. Mm. And I think there's a lot of misconception about networking, even um, even face-to-face -face networking. I mean, you know, in online networking, you know, if you met somebody at a networking event, you wouldn't try and sell them something in the first sentence, would you? No, you, it just wouldn't happen. But, you know, sometimes you get that feeling that that's what's happening when it's in a, on an online um, connection. Um I know I'm, I've had some really great conversations with, with people that I've connected with on LinkedIn. In fact, I had one 
yesterday with somebody in Germany who is also an expat from England living in Germany. And literally, we had so much in common. Um, we're going to schedule another call just to explore, you know, perhaps some synergies, some opportunities to to joint venture, all sorts of things. But it's very much around actually getting to know the person and um, really working out whether there's a resonance there rather than just being in it for what you can get, which I think people will pick up on. Um, even if it's subconsciously, they'll pick up the vibes from, from the kind of message people send immediately. Do you find that's true? That is true. That is absolutely true. Another, another Dale Carnegie's uh, secret to success is showing genuine interest in the other person. Now the problem because becomes how do we do that? How do I become genuinely interested in what you do? You know, that's something that if you do not know how to, you really need someone to show you how to, to provide you examples, to, to teach you and train you on, on showing you how to do that. But the formula reads, you know, show genuine interest in, in the other person and what they do and, and show appreciation for what they do. You know, we're basically making the other person feel good about themselves, you know, feel appreciated, which is the human being's number one. That's the number one feeling that we that would look for. You know, everyone out there, the number one feeling that we want, we want to feel important. We want to feel mm. appreciated. You know, even animals do that, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, it doesn't absolutely. matter if, if you have a living soul, if you have a living soul, you want to be liked, you want to be important you want to feel good you know you want to have those positive good hormones going through your veins right that's going to make you feel happy uh, so how how to do that becomes becomes a formula that can be perfected you know that can be just excelled yeah do you find that people often approach networking in terms of i've got to get straight to my target market and if it's if I'm not dealing directly with somebody in that market then that connection is no good versus broadening my network and getting people to know what I do um, is actually potentially open me up to referrals rather than necessarily a direct sale yeah absolutely that's one of that's one of the yeah, top reasons that, you know, people fail in networking because their aim, the number one goal for networking should not be what the first thing you're thinking about. So if, if I'm a salesperson, if I'm a job seeker, if I'm a, a marketing professional, the first thing that comes to your mind, which is perhaps the reason you were told that you should be networking, that is not the point of networking. That is not your number one goal. Number one goal for networking is is simply making friends, building relationships, getting people to know you, like you, and trust you. You know, developing that human to human connection so they they appreciate what you do, they appreciate who you are. You know, and and automatically, if you make that friend, if you make that connection, automatically, naturally, they're going to ask you about what you do, who you are. You know, and Keep in mind, we're going to be focusing on helping the other person. So when you help another person, what is he or she going to do? Naturally, he or she is going to find out a way to, to return the favor. 
you know so naturally they will ask you about what you do and how they can help you get better at what you do and get what you really want so if we just focus on helping other individuals you know show genuine interest appreciate what they do and find a way to help them naturally they will they will aim for you know they will really go for finding a way to help help you and that is a lot more powerful because that is now their purpose so we are mm. unconsciously or hey consciously we're creating a, a sense of purpose in them to help us and that really makes that working powerful when you do it that way you know some of the results that i've been creating for my clients and for myself you know for me i always said okay i have a technical background so that's why i understand how the industries work that's how i understand how things are made but maybe a portion of that is true the other is having learned to really be conscious of my surroundings of the people around me learning how to communicate you know i've i've worked with many coaches i've i've invested a lot in my own education after after i joined the, the coaching industry to learn how to better communicate how to be effective and that's that's allowed me to create these purposeful you know individuals around me and their purpose is to help me doesn't even matter if they're my direct network if they're my direct audience because just like you said if they're not the right quote unquote the right person for me to talk to to network with hey they might know multiple other individuals who are within my niche target my niche audience and if i make that person know me and like me and trust me that person can make a very strong referral to his or her friends to make those mm-hmm. connections okay so uh, yeah absolutely so Nada, what are the common challenges you solve for people? There's really two categories, right? So if, if in the category of job seekers, that is where I spend half of my time, maybe more than half of my time helping job seekers, it's spending weeks and weeks and months and months and not hearing back from employers, sending hundreds of job applications online and not getting a response back. You know, going to interviews, you know, spending six months to get a couple of interviews, going to those interviews and realize they don't even know who you are. You know, the job you apply to, it's not the same, not related to you. You know, there is this, this there's a mismatch in, in, in that communication, this miscommunication really throughout that process. So you're not really there for, for filling their gaps. You don't have all the right skills. Um, that that is really when it comes to job seeking, not getting results initially, or when you get results, those results being job interviews, it's not really what you wanted. The company doesn't match your background. The position does not match. The other category would be individuals who are small business owners, entrepreneurs, realtors, or could be a recruiter or a marketing professional who is looking to do their job properly, to improve their career, to do to utilize a tool like LinkedIn to get better leads, more leads, or high quality, create high quality conversations, that is where, again, creating, creating that connection becomes an issue. Communicating effectively is an issue. They're reaching out to hundreds and hundreds of individuals on a daily basis, 
they do make the connections because, you know, they work at a big company, they have a big brand backing them up. But when we start that conversation, they're jumping into that sales pitch. So they really turn off the other person and there is, there is no second conversation. You know, you really become that cliche salesperson that no one wants to hear from and you always hang up on, or, you know, when you see that uh, caller ID come on, on your phone, you just, you just mute your phone. So that can be avoided. That can be avoided by, you know, as we spoke a few minutes ago, by not being, not being focused on what you want initially focus on what they want and, you know, show interest in who they are, you know, appreciate what they do, find a way to help them. And then, you will, you will. You don't even have to try. Then you will naturally go back to talk about who you are and what you do. And at that point, you have created that sense of purpose in the other person. So they'll naturally help you with what you want, either directly or indirectly by referring you to someone else. Mm. I know certainly what you were mentioning in the first half of your focus was about how to actually overcome this issue of the online application because I know um, you know several friends who were just sending off resume after resume through an online process which is used almost universal well universally in, in the in the bigger organizations how do you actually stand out from the crowd in, in that situation where you're literally almost being vetted by a computer system rather than by a human being? Excellent question. Uh, I get that every day. <laughs> I get that every day. It is definitely part of my coaching. Uh, I'll just, this, the simplest way uh, I'll say is the same thing I tell others. I say that you stand out by not doing it, by not, by not participating into that process. So why do mm. I say that? I say that because, well, as you mentioned, the chances of success is extremely low because, you know, it's when a job is posted on the internet, applications are going to that job posting from all around the world. Hundreds of resumes are being submitted on a daily basis. And that's been happening for more than a decade to a point that a human being is no longer involved into that process, into that vetting process. And we've, you know, we've, we've created softwares and systems to, to rely on keyword optimization and keyword matching. So it's just not an accurate system. You know, if I'll give you an example, if we have one job and a hundred resumes go to it, we know that only one person will get that job. But does that mean the other 99 people remaining could not do the job? Well, certainly not. Right. Because, you know, we have a marketing manager, an IT manager, an electrical engineer. That's the position we need one. We need to hire one person for that. A hundred people saw the advertisement. A hundred people applied. I, I would I would put money on on the fact that at least half of those people can do the job. Right. They read the mm. job description. They looked at the company. They have the qualifications. That's why they applied. So it's fair to say at least. 50 of those individuals can literally start the job tomorrow and be successful at it. However, the process does not allow for that because you want to narrow that list down to five individuals, interview those five, 
bring two of them to the second stage of the interview, choose one of them for the third interview, and offer that person the job. So your chance of success is 1% if there were one job and 100 applicants. Now, Mm -hmm. today, there's normally one job and thousands of applicants. So your your very basic success rate mathematically is is you know point zero zero one percent so it's it's just mathematically does not make sense for me to to go online and spend time to to submit my resume to an online application that is number one so i know a lot of engineers and technical people like that analogy because it's simple math right you've got a thousand resumes one person gets the job so your you know your success rate just do the math, right? The second mm-hmm. reason is that uh, posting the jobs on the internet is the last thing that the employers do. I'll give you an example. If, if me and you wanted to hire a person today, any company, we're all the same. We'd rather do it for free. It's like if, if you were hungry today, would you rather eat the food that's in front of you that doesn't cost you anything or go to a store and buy food, you know? <laughs> We always, mm-hmm. human beings, we like to save costs. We like to have something that costs less or doesn't cost anything. So if my job is to hire someone tomorrow, a project manager for, for a new project that, I'm, that, that I have, I have been given to, I will go through standard operating procedures that allow me to hire that person, to find, you know, interview and hire that person at the lowest cost possible. So that is because why, that is why the first choice is given, the first chance is really given to the individuals who are currently working for my company, for my team. If I can rearrange the team, I will do that. That doesn't cost me anything. Number two is asking my existing team for referrals. You know, why are referrals the number one way people get hired? Because it doesn't cost the company anything. So. If I can do that, I will. I will send an email to everyone in the company. You know, hey, we've got this new project coming up, new client. We need to add a new project manager to the team. Please refer the individuals you know. And that's very successful. If that doesn't happen, the third strategy, the third standard operating procedure for an employer is networking. So they will start networking before you even know a job exists. The number one website they use for networking is LinkedIn. They can use it for free. They do use it for free, you know? Uh, Doing a Boolean search, doing a quick keyword search in LinkedIn, find a list of individuals in your local town who have those skills on their profile. I will add them, send them a message. I will speak with individuals who are interested in that position. I will end up hiring someone. And that didn't cost me anything. I yet have not advertised the position. It's completely free. I'm very happy. So my boss is very happy because I haven't asked him for an advertising budget. <laughs> right? <laughs> if, if that doesn't work, so remember, if, if nobody in the company could do the job, if I've asked everybody in the team and no one knows anybody else who can do the job, if I've looked in a network of 450 million professionals on LinkedIn, if I can't find anyone in LinkedIn, then I've got a couple of options. I have to outsource. I have to spend money to either advertise the position on a website or hire a recruitment agency to do that for me. You know, recruitment agencies are great. They, they cost the most. They're extremely expensive. 
However, they do give you a guarantee that they will find and hire that person for you. The other option is online job boards and advertising websites. Again, expensive. However, there's, there comes with a risk. Less expensive than recruiters, but it comes with a risk of, hey, we're not really sure who's going to see this advertisement and if the right person is going to apply to it. And the other risk is that we know that if we post it globally on, on a big website, you know, hundreds and thousands of resumes are going to come in. We're not going to have enough manpower to review those resumes, so we'll have to purchase a very expensive software to go through that, and it becomes a long process. That's why you apply to a job online, and it takes two weeks to hear back from them, if you hear back from them. So if you're one of the you know, 0.001 percenters, you'll hear back from them, you go through the interview process, and then you'll have to wait another two weeks. That's why that process takes so long, because, and it's very tough to get those jobs, because if I've spent five to $10,000 to advertise, now I've paid for something that I don't have yet. So I'll be very picky in the interview process. You know, I'll make sure that out of these 10 boxes, I'm going to check eight or nine of them to make sure I hire the right person with all the experience, someone who has local experience, direct industry experience. I'm a very picky person because I just paid for that resume, right? However, if I come across you online on LinkedIn for free and I send you a quick message, hey, you're open to a conversation, let's have a chat, let's grab a coffee, you know, there's no obligation, you know, there's no obligation. I haven't spent any money, you know, psychologically, I'm not under a lot of pressure, you know, because I'm not thinking about my boss who just gave me a $10,000 advertising budget. So it's, it's a lot more of a calmer conversation. We're a lot more relaxed. We can really focus on what our projects are and what you want out of your career. So the success rate is a lot higher. That's why, you know, we all know that, you know, 70, 75% of individuals out there get their jobs through networking, through referrals, and they do it a lot faster. You get hired a lot faster. That is really why, because in the, in the hiring process, we haven't gone to a point that the company had to advertise for that position or have to outsource it. So absolutely right. Mm. You know, when you, when you go online and you send a lot of applications, uh, you're wasting a lot of time and you're going to a place that the employers haven't gone to already, or if they have, it's the last place, it's the last choice that they have because they couldn't find this person on their own. You know, the way really? that 75% of jobs are filled, that's the easy way of getting hired. That's the easy way of hiring others. So why would we want to go outside and spend extra money to find something that we could easily log into LinkedIn, you know, and find that person. Mm, absolutely. And you actually answered another question that I had in, in that um, explanation, actually, about, you know, how many jobs are actually filled without ever being advertising. And what for what you're saying, a large proportion um, are filled that way. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's just going to increase because, you know, naturally, if you're owner of a company, if you're a business owner, cost uh, cost savings and cost management is part of your business plan. You know, it's part of any business. It just does not make any sense for us to go pay for something when we haven't tried 
to get that thing, whatever that thing is, for free. You know, nowadays, you know, there's so many websites, there's so many networking websites, such as LinkedIn now being the leader, you know, that offer us that opportunity, that the service that LinkedIn offers me and you is the ability to find the individuals that we want at no cost or a fraction of the cost. Because online advertising, as well as recruitment agencies, these are extremely expensive services. You know, there's a place for them. There is a, there's, there's a time and a place for them, certainly. And it's a lucrative business to be in, but for a very specific purpose, you know. Uh, so you really gotta, you really gotta look at the first 80%. The 80% of your time needs to go and be spent on what companies spend 80% of their time on, which is finding the individuals and hiring them at a fraction of a cost. Hmm. So there must be two elements to this that you help people with, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm thinking is, you know, it can be really easy on LinkedIn to connect up with people who are um, peers or in the same business in the case of entrepreneurs. But it can be more difficult to, A, identify the right people to contact who are going to be either your target market or in touch with your target market. And similarly, you know, for people looking for careers, um, the right people in organizations that perhaps can be uh, a route to the kind of job that they're looking for is that something that you teach people how to do how to uh how to be able to get these connections because i know linkedin can be difficult at times it's it to me it was it, it felt a bit like the nanny state when i first joined linkedin because it was like well you can't approach anybody you don't already know and it was like well surely the point of networking is actually to get to know people that you don't already know so why make it difficult and i think it's it's eased up to an extent because you get these suggested connections that you can link with very easily. But if you actually are going out and seeking the right people, how do you overcome that challenge of being able to make those connections? That's true. That's something that I do for my clients. Uh, I don't expect anyone who, who's at that stage. So if, if your challenge is, you know, uh, not being able to communicate properly, not not doing the companies well, not really knowing who your ideal target audience is. You know, this is something I've learned after six years and doing a lot of research, reading a lot of books and working in this area. You know, I've been recruiting and I've been in the recruitment industry for six years as well. That's another business of mine. So I've, I've worked in it and that's how I've learned about companies. And I'd like to believe that I, I have a, excellent knowledge of what businesses are and different industries, sub-industries. I know a lot of companies that's part of a hobby of mine that I like to read and learn about companies. So I don't expect someone to learn that, you know, in, a, in an hour or two, you know, I've learned it after six mm-hmm. years of doing it for 12 hours a day. So that I do for my clients, you know, it's sort of a, you know, done for you service, you know, after interviewing you, after spending a couple of hours speaking with you, understanding who you are, what your value proposition is, and who you want to be, what your target is, I go and select those companies for you. 
I and obviously we're doing this in a conversation, so I'll run these ideas by you. I do this live on a computer, so where I'm sharing my screen, let's say if I'm on Skype, I'm, I'm sharing my monitor and I'm showing you a company. I'm showing you your, their products, their services, what they do, you know, what they're looking for. And uh, that way you can actually see and you can, you can confirm that the choices I'm making for you are correct. So that, that becomes part of the career coaching, you know, going through those conversations and, and showing you what the targets could be. You know, a lot of times, 90% of the times, it's all a big thumbs up. What I select for them, it's right. And the other 10% of the times, you know, my clients are adjusting me. It's like, well, you know, I really don't want to work in that area. Or no, I don't really know if I like this product. So we'll have to adjust and reshape the strategy. But the target is something that you know, I cannot expect anyone to just learn quickly. I don't think there's a course to teach you, you know, what I've learned in six years of working in this industry. I cannot summarize it in, in, in a training session. So I rather interview you, genuinely learn who you are and show interest into your into your passions and who you want to become and then I can offer you options. You know, here here are ten companies, you know, that match the five criteria that I shared with you in our last session. Please review these 10 companies and let me know your feedback. You know, that's the process that I go through where I'm selecting those target audiences for them. Yeah, I think that's really valuable, Nada, because there is a lot of generic teaching out there that um, isn't delivering the kind of bespoke service that you are that's really targeted at the individual. So, you know, that is obviously of great value to people as well because you can waste so much time on these sites if you don't know what you're doing and actually waste time without getting the results that you want. So having somebody else who's delivered, who's developed that expertise over the period that you're talking about is is invaluable, really. In, in my view, I'm sure you'll agree as the one that delivers it. <laughs> no, it is, right? So if I were to start uh, investing into the stock market today, there's, there's no way I can tell you, you know, which stock is better, which commodity is doing better. It's something that's completely new to me. So what do I do? I go and talk to, a, to an advisor, someone who's been studying the stock market for the last five years, you know, and so that's just something that that is reality for me, right? If I want to invest, I can't, I simply, I cannot go and learn the stock market in, in a day or two or in a month or even in a year. It needs years of monitoring and seeing the patterns, seeing the up and downs so I can make, you know, a, a good investment. That's where an investment advisor comes in. In my field, on a daily basis, challenges I deal with, with my challenges my clients deal with is, you know, I speak with someone. I did a consultation call yesterday. That individual, you know, he had, he had applied to, he said more than 100 companies in the last four months he was looking for work. Well, for me, that's, that's foreign because I choose no more than 20 companies for a client. They interview with five or six of them, they'll get hired. So just focusing on more than 20 companies is, is unreal. It's a complete waste of time. And it, it automatically tells me that you didn't select the company properly. You really don't need to focus on more than 10 companies, you know, in, in, in the first month. You know, and keep in mind, the majority of my clients, over 80% of them, they're, they're getting hired within four weeks. Four to six weeks, they're into work, 
they're happy and we're probably not going to speak again because they're they're very happy right but mm-hmm. you got to realize that I, I only selected maximum 20 companies for them but those 20 companies they meet nine out of ten requirements that they have they've been mm-hmm. carefully thought of they've been carefully selected I know they're hiring I know there's a future for the product I know there is no downsides in that industry there's no layoffs so there's a lot of process that I go through to make sure those in the, those companies are growing and you know the product the service their clientele matches the person I'm working with. Mm, brilliant. And I guess the other side of the coin that I was going to bring up which we are getting a little bit short of time now but I'm so enjoying this conversation Nada. Um the other side of the coin must be the profile that you help clients develop because I know there's such a variation in the quality of uh, the profiles on LinkedIn, literally down to virtually nothing on there. But um, I would imagine it's, it's easier for business people and entrepreneurs to be very open about the service. And, I mean, it's pretty obvious that they're looking for clients. Is there something that a job seeker um, needs to do to make them or to help them attract approaches from potential employers because you know if you're out there in social media and you're employed with a company that you want to leave you you're not going to advertise the fact that you're looking for another job because that might cause problems in the existing one so how does that work no absolutely great question so uh, let me tell you this. So, so far today, we talked about active communication, right? Now we're going mm. towards static communication. And there's, there's yeah. two types. You know, if I want to communicate to you, I can either do it statically. I can write a letter, you know, tie it to the leg of the pigeon and, you know, send it to you, <laughs> right? <laughs> or, or mail it to you, right? That's the yeah. ending you read. So what you do, you read my message. You're reading it. I'm not speaking to you. You're just reading off a piece of paper. It can be an email. Email is a static communication. Uh, you know, instant messaging, text messaging, they're all static because I'm not, we're not having an, a live conversation. That's one type. The other, and there's, these are the two types of communication, unless you're telepathic, right? <laughs> but the average person isn't, right? That would be the third type of communication. The active one is when we're having a conversation on the phone or conversation face-to-face, you know, and that's where, Networking comes in and active communication comes in. But now moving towards static communication, you know, writing your resumes and letters and LinkedIn profiles. When it comes to networking, you know, keyword optimization and having all the right words is not really as important anymore. So that's a really big misconception about networking that I, that I talk about every day. You know, you look at a resume, because my resumes look very different. The, 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 the LinkedIn profiles that I write are very short and efficient, and there's not a lot of keywords in it. So everyone asks me, it's like, why, why aren't all these keywords in there? And my answer always is, you don't need all those keywords. What you need to, what you need to do, what you need to communicate statically through, you know, your resume, a piece of paper, the letter, or your LinkedIn profile is really what you can do for the person who's reading your profile, is what kind of results can you create for the person who's reading your resume? So what's in it for them, you know? 
uh, you may have heard of with him what's in it for me. So everyone who's reading a document, everyone who's on the other side of that static communication is always thinking, you know, what's in it for me? You know, I am reading this letter, but what am I going to get out of it? So if we have that in mind, when we write that document, we always need to think in terms of results, in terms of the results that we can create for the other person. That's really when you know, the standard formula for writing a unique value proposition comes in. Because the value proposition is the value, the service that we're proposing to the other person. And all the benefit is for the other person, not for us. So that is different than the average resume when you're talking about yourself. You're saying all these great things about yourself. And, you know, unfortunately, I see this being done by a lot of professional resume writers as well that they, they write about you very professionally. And you think that's a professional resume, you think that's going to get results, but the content of it, it's very well written, but it's all about you, <laughs> you know? So when I'm reading a letter or a resume or a profile that is extremely well written, but it's all about you, there's nothing in it for me, <laughs> you know? So you have to flip that coin. You have to write something that is about me. I need to tell me about my industry and my product and what your services can do for me. You know, so that is the way I write and that that's the number one. I mean, it's not a secret. I tell everyone, you know, every day in every consultation call I, I do with them, I tell them how to write it. You know, so I'm not holding really anything back, you know, because again, I know that if you don't know how to write in that style, it's going to be very tough for you to go home and do it. So I don't hide my formulas from anyone. I tell them how to do it. Hey, if you want to give it a try, go right ahead. I'll take another look at it. But you really want to have the other person in mind when you're writing that document. You need to know their industry. You need to, do, you need to know their problems. You need to know exactly what kind of issues they're dealing with on a daily basis so you can speak to that, so you can write to that. Yeah, that's so interesting, Nada. And... Um... We're going to have to wind up the conversation shortly, I'm afraid, after a lovely uh, discussion today. But what you're really saying is that, you know, everybody is a marketer, aren't they? We tend to separate the the business owners and the entrepreneurs um, from the job seekers as one side, you know, the business owners needing to, to do marketing but often don't associate the job seekers with marketing. But what you're saying is the pr- same principle across the board, really. It's about finding the requirements, the pain points, and really speaking to them in the right language and, and with the right message in order to attract the right attention. That's right. It's exactly the same. There's no difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant. Well, Nada, um, you shared such wonderful information. And uh, I know <laughs> from the fact that we've really just scratched the surface that you've got so much to offer people um, above and beyond what we've talked about today. So could you just t- share with people how they can get in touch with you and what you can offer them? Absolutely. I would highly recommend you, you search my name on LinkedIn. Or if you go to linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash career advisor, that is the direct link to my profile. Or simply if you 
if you have a LinkedIn profile, I mean, if you don't, then you really should, you know, so uh, set it up. LinkedIn is, uh, is two individuals are creating a LinkedIn profile every second. So you need to be one of those in the next second. I create a LinkedIn profile, search my name in there and uh, feel free to send me a connection request. There's tons of material that I share on my profile that you can have free access to it's definitely going to help you start your your activities on linkedin and uh, i have a list of all my services really what i like to do i like to spend 30 minutes with everyone who who has made the decision to take their career to the next level who has made the decision to work with someone professionally to to gain that next job or get better at their business uh, whatever that business is, I would love to spend 30 minutes with them to really identify their problems and challenges and help them create an action plan. That's what I do in that 30 minutes. Uh, it's a free consultation that I spend with as many people who go to my calendar and book a time with me. Uh, you will find the calendar link on my profile on LinkedIn. You know, book 30 minutes of time with me, uh, write a quick message, let me know what your challenges are then I'll speak with you to, to define those challenges and problems because sometimes you think you have a challenge, sometimes you think that is a challenge, but it, it actually isn't. It's just a reality and you just don't know how to react to that. So a quick solution can be, can be the end of your problems. Otherwise, I'll help you create a list of action plan, action steps to go through, Give it a try, evaluate it. If you really need help, I'll be more than happy to work with you one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, otherwise, you'll have a you have a action plan to really go through and get to your goals. Brilliant, Nada. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you today, and uh, you've given such valuable information. And I know from experience that uh, there's a lot more. To, that Nada has to offer on his profile. So I urge you to go along and have a look at that and uh, really take advantage of Nada's expertise. Well, thank you, Nada, for being with us today. And uh, I'll say farewell to you just before I say farewell to our listeners and hand over to Bill to close the show. So thanks, thank you very much for being our guest. Thanks for having me, Jan. Have a great day. It's a great pleasure. So thank you all for listening, and we do hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, we'll be bro broadcasting every week with more expert guests talking about all aspects of conscious living. So to avoid missing any episodes, please follow us on Blog Talk Radio or visit the radio show page at asmilingworldmedia.com where you can listen to our latest shows and sign up to receive news of upcoming shows by email. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash powerful people and join our Conscious Living Club group on Facebook as well. Just search for Conscious Living Club and I'm sure it'll come up. So I'm going to hand back over to Bill now to close the show and thank you again for listening. Okay, thank you, Jan. And a reminder, the Conscious Living Show is brought to you by Jan and Bill Moore of A Smiling World. And we provide coaching, training, and events on personal empowerment, conscious evolution, conscious business development, and the universal laws of success. To find out more about our coaching, workshops, and online courses, and to get your free copy of Dream Achiever Success Kit, go to asmilingworld.org. And if you're building or planning to build a conscious business, you will find a wealth of free resources at SuccessFrequency.com. 
We hope you'll join us again soon for more expert interviews, tips, and tools on conscious living. And now we will close with the Beach Boys from their 50th anniversary album, Good Vibrations. Sing along, it's alright. Gotta keep those love good vibrations.